0: Okay, a few imponderables on the Parsha. Let's begin with the following. The Pasuk is talking about somebody who purchases an Amma of Riyah. And the Torah gives you the option to marry the Amma of Riyah. And if you don't want to marry her, then you could give her to your son. And then it says, oh, if you're going to give her to your son, like the laws of children, of like the laws of Jewish women, you should do for her. Namely, if you take another wife, her food, her clothing, her intimacy, you should not diminish. You should know, this is the only place in the whole Torah that teaches us what a husband's obligation is to his wife. Nowhere in the Torah does it say that a husband has to feed his wife loathe his wife give his wife marital needs except in this rare instance the Torah says by the way if you buy a maidservant and you don't want to marry her and you give her to your son and he marries another wife he should not do to her any less than he would do to a normal Jewish wife why is this the only place in the Torah where the Torah delineates man's responsibility to his wife it's interesting that this should be the juncture the Torah chooses to teach marital responsibility. So I'll tell you the truth I saw later that Rabbi Shamshin Rufal Hersh asked this question and he gives a very beautiful answer. He says the Torah is so revolutionary that the Torah of course was the first document that gave women Dignity and respect. And the Torah is saying, even in a situation, you know how much a person has to respect and honor their wife? Even in a situation where you bought a poor girl off the street. She has no family support. She has no background. She Maybe she stole. And you don't want to marry her and you give it to your son as a second wife, and he has a primary wife, even then, how careful he has to be not to treat her any less than if he would marry the daughter of the, the king of Israel. That's how much kavod the Torah demands from a husband to show his wife. That's why the Torah chooses to teach the kavod of a woman in this instance. Next, it says that if you somebody hits their father or mother, they're Chayiv Misa. If somebody curses their father or mother, they're Chayiv Misa. And in between curse, hitting and cursing a father or mother is the subject of somebody who kidnaps. And Rashi says, well, This is the reason why there's a machleikis whether we make a heckish between cursing a father and mother and hitting a father and mother because in between the two subjects it interposes the topic of someone being kidnapped. So, a simple question. I understand why there's a debate should we compare cursing to hitting a parent because there's a subject in between. Why would the subject in between cursing a parent and hitting a parent be if someone is kidnapped? I mean, that's like a random thing to stick in between. What would the connection be between somebody being kidnapped, someone who curses a father, or hit, hits a father? So by the way, Ruf Shamshin Hirsch I looked, he, he addresses this as well. He wants to say that the Torah is expanding the definition of murder. Murder is, even if you merely hit a parent, that is considered such cruelty for somebody to turn around and hit a parent. That's also murder. That's murder. To hit a father and mother brought you into this world and cared for you and brought you till this day to hit them in the eyes of the Torah, that's murder. Then the Torah continues. You know what else is murder? If you kidnap someone and you take away their liberty, and you turn them into an object that is sold, that's also murder. And then the Torah expands further, that even if you turn around and you disparage your father and mother, you curse them, that's also like murder. I was thinking that the Torah interposes between someone who, Hits a father and mother and someone who curses them. Then imagine what a father and mother thinks about a kid who turns around against them and hits them and curses them. It's like someone kidnapped their kid. Maybe that's why we have the subject of kidnapping in between. Because it's like someone took away the child of the father and mother. Do you do you know why it's so severe? To turn around and hit a father or mother, or curse them. It's like their child was taken away from them. Okay. Next question. It talks about if your, um, the ox or donkey was lost. It, it mentions the, it mentions the, um, ox or donkey of your oyev. Oyev usually refers to Yishmael. and then when it talks about the donkey, who's crouching under its weight, it says the the donkey of your soyne. Why, by a lost animal, does it talk about? He's your oyev, and by an animal that's crouching, does it call him call it the animal of your soyne? Next, Perchav Gimel Pasuk Chesu Tes. just the juxtaposition of some of these mitzvahs is hard to understand. It says, Don't take bribes. Don't insult a ger. Keep shemitah. I mean, I would love to have the... to ponder that. You know, what would the connection be between don't take a bribe, don't insult a ger, and... Keep the Shemitah. Okay. Then, this is a very interesting one. In Perek Gimel, Pasuk Yud Gimel, the Pasuk says, Whatever I told you, guard. Says Rashi, from here we learn, every Mitzvah say in the Torah is a lav. So, if somebody doesn't take a little of an S-ray, not only are they violating an assay, they're violating a lav as well. Okay, I understand. Hashem wanted to bolster the severity of all the mitzvahs. So even an assay is like a, a lois assei as well. Why over here all of a sudden, in the subject of Shemitah, does Rebunsham um, support all the lavin of all the assays that are with a lav? Okay, Rabbi said, those are a few imponderables. Okay, well, one more, one more. It says, Rashi says, what does regalam mean? Pa'amim, three times. Now, a few psukum later, it says, So then, why didn't it say the first time? Now, we know there's an idea that the regalim are literally the three legs of the Kisei Hakavayi. But why sometimes does it refer to it as regalim and sometimes refer to it as pe'amim? It could be, Rashi says, that the reason why the Torah... You know, we could add another question. The first time when it says Shalish Regalim Bashana, Rashi doesn't say why the Torah has to tell us about the three Regalim now. When it then a few psukim later says Shalish Pa'amim Bashana, Rashi says, "Well, we're talking about Shemitah. You would think you don't have to keep the Yamim Tovim, so it says you have to keep the Yamim Tovim." Why didn't Rashi say the first time by Pasuk Yedaleh Shalish Regalim Bashana? that it had to talk about the Indian of the Regolim because we're in the context of Shemitah. Okay, Rabbi I wish you all a wonderful Shabbos. Bracham HaTzlachah, Kol Tov, have a great Shabbos. Be well, be well. Good Shabbos, good Shabbos.